Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So this week I have been spending some time out in the garden kind of assessing what happened this year, the good and the bad. And I actually was getting ready to do a video tour of the garden because I realized I hadn't done one really this year. And as I was walking through, I'm like, hmm, think we missed the window on the gorgeous, lush video tour because you know how things look end of the season. It's a little bit ratty, a little bit used up, a little bit overgrown, maybe not in a good way. So it's definitely perhaps not the best time to take you through to show you the garden in its full glory. But what I did want to do is take you through kind of my thoughts and assessments of the garden as we near the end of summer and share some of my big wins and my big fat fails with you in the garden for 2020. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the podcast for you. So sometimes I post pretty garden pictures on Instagram or Facebook. You've probably seen them. Most of the time my garden is pretty photogenic. You know, we got the raised beds going on. We got the marigolds spilling out the sides. This year we have these giant sunflowers. And you combine that with a cute little fence around it and the little gates and it just looks cool. Like, especially if I stand back and you squint a little bit, you can't see the weeds and it just looks impressive. And so perhaps I have, um, given the improper, what's the word portrayal. I don't know. Maybe it's not completely improper that I'm some sort of master gardener basically is what I'm trying to say. Um, and there's definitely years and crops that I can kick butt at. And there's other parts of the garden that I'm really not that great at. And I like to be authentic and I like to be real um, because social media is so full of pretentiousness, I guess. You know what I mean? And so what I, I just always like to make sure that when I do put something pretty up on social media, it's okay to have pretty things. It's okay to be proud of something. But I also want you to know kind of the real story because the last thing I would want is if you came to my homestead in real life for you to walk through my garden and go, holy cow, Jill, this looks nothing like it does on Instagram. I don't want that to happen, right? I want to be the same person I am on social media that I am in real life. And I want my garden to be just as real on social media or on a podcast or a YouTube video as it is in real life. So that is the purpose of today's episode. And also it's kind of fun slash interesting to talk through some of the things that worked in your garden and some of the things that didn't. And this is a great thing to add to a garden journal. Um, did I tell you this? Have I told you this? I don't think I've mentioned this yet. I'm going to, I'm just going to spill the beans here. Hopefully, hopefully this is okay. I, I mean, I'm the boss. It's got to be okay. Uh, I am, my team and I are working on a planner for 2021. It's going to be a homestead um, type of, not journal, but it's going to be a homestead planner with homestead pages, but also an actual calendar planner. Because you guys have heard me talk before. If you've listened to my time management pieces on this podcast, I live and die by my planner. I have to have it. It keeps me on track. And so I created the planner I have always wanted, but I couldn't quite find. And I not only made the weekly calendar pages super conducive for folks like you and I, but I also included a lot of pages um, to help you track habits and 
your preservation stuff and your garden stuff and your maps and your ideas and your dreams and your goals. So I'm pretty darn excited about it. I'll be honest. It's coming together better than I ever thought. It is not available yet. Um, we are working on, we're, we're getting the last few pages formatted this week, then we have to get it to the printer, but the details are coming and it's, it's going to be good guys. I'll, I mean, I'm really excited to bring it to you. It's going to be a great companion to the cookbook, but anyway, I'm telling you all this because there's going to be a page in the back for kind of your garden journal. And this is the sort of information that I would absolutely put in a garden journal because you will forget. I don't care how much you think you won't, you'll forget what you did last year, where you put stuff, what you want to do through rotational planting, all that stuff. It'll slip your mind. So I get to put it in podcasts, but you, my friend, can put it in your garden journal or you can put it in your old-fashioned on-purpose planner that will be coming out very soon. So stay tuned for more on that. But let's get into the nitty-gritty of the garden this year. Should we start with wins or fails first? Maybe wins. Should we start with, like, when people like Good news and bad news. Um, the good news, AKA the wins. Let's start with that. That'll be fun. Maybe you won't judge me so harshly <laughs> if you hear about the things I did good. Oh, I don't care. Either way, it's all good. Okay. My wins for this year thus far. Um, have you seen my sunflowers? Like I, I think I posted a few pictures. The sunflowers are out of control in a good way, maybe in a bad way, but I don't really care because they grew and they grew large and I didn't have to do anything. They were all volunteers, which means their seeds fell out from last year and I did not have the heart to pull them out this spring. So I let them grow. Um, they kind of overtook a few things. There is a little bit of unruliness to them, but they're impressive. And man, when you pull up, you see the sunflowers coming out of the garden and you're like just certain I'm a master gardener. And if you don't go inside the garden, that belief will hold. So sunflowers, I am chalking up as a win this year. They look cool. And some of them have these massive heads on them that pretty soon will cut off and will harvest the sunflower seeds because last year we roasted our own and Christian loved them. He said that they were some of the best sunflower seeds he's ever had. That was kind of cool. And it was a bonus because I didn't have to do the work of planting them. They just happened. Another win was my corn this year. I previously have kind of um, banned corn because it takes up a lot of room. You, you think about it, you get this giant stalk that is really good for nothing other than feeding to your cows. And all you get off of it is a little ear. It just feels like it took up a lot of room and a lot of resources. And then I had this year where these ears were almost ready to eat and raccoons came in like the night before I was going to harvest them and demolished the ears. And then they had the nerve to shuck them, eat the ears and leave the husks all over the ground. And I was just so angry so angry. Um, so after that, I swore I'd never grow corn again. Well, I'm also kind of stubborn. So I, I tried it again last year. It didn't work so hot. I did some heirloom non-GMO corn. Um, I think I watered it too much because it was pretty waterlogged. We had like a sprinkler issue in the corn area. And as a result, the corn was like super stunted, like maybe knee high period, like not knee high by the 4th of July, like knee high at the end of August. And it, would, it developed ears on these little squatty stalks, but the ears um, were really gummy and didn't taste good. It was a sweet corn. I picked the variety very carefully and they were gross. So the cows got all of the corn. So I decided to try it one more time. And I was really careful this year to not put my corn in a swamp, FYI, 
good idea not to put your corn in the swamp. And it grew way better. Like I have stalks that are taller than I am. I'm almost six feet tall. Um, beautiful picture, perfect corn. There are ears developing. They're not as big as I'd like to see at this moment, but they are developing. So I'm hopeful that we'll have enough time for them to really develop before the frost. But either way, I feel like it was an improvement over last year. Another win, uh, my cucumbers. I did not have a good cucumber la uh, year last year. This year, I planted one of my raised beds. You've seen the pictures of them. They're not very big. Just one of them with cucumbers. And I have had more cucumbers than I know what to do with. I fed some, some to the pigs because I did let some get a little bit too big, but not as bad as in years past. So I fed some of the giant cucumbers to the pigs. Um, I've made multiple batches of canned pickles. Um, I have made multiple batches of refrigerator pickles. I made a batch of relish and the cucumbers are still coming. So that was a huge win. Like one bed has given me all the pickles I could ever want. Um, so that was kind of cool. I think my other two wins have to do with our infrastructure. So Christian worked really hard this year. Actually, that should be present tense, is working hard this year on making some improvements in the garden. And one of those was the shade cloth that I talked about on a previous episode, our circus tent shade cloth. We never did have hail. And I don't think we're going to get hail. We, we haven't had any thunderstorms this year, hardly at all. And we usually are pretty much done with thunderstorms by the end of August. So I don't think we're going to get hail. We had one little storm. It definitely did its job, but it also wasn't super violent hail. But it has held up very well with the wind and the crazy, like we've had crazy wind this year and it didn't rip anything apart. So the structure is sturdy. I've been pleasantly surprised that it doesn't look super weird right? You can, you can tell it's there, but it's not like ugly. I don't think. And I think it just provided a, a little bit of shade. It just took enough of that intense sun off the garden that I think that helped. So that was a big win to finally get that project done. We've talked about it forever. And then the other thing we have talked about forever, as you know, is the greenhouse, which we have indeed started construction on. I can't remember if I've told you that here on the podcast yet. I posted about it on Instagram, but it is happening. Uh, the trusses are up right now. It's just the, the posts on the side and the trusses, but we got the concrete in for most of the posts. Um, the kit, they actually were, that was missing a few pieces, but the company was great and they replaced those missing parts and, and had a truck deliver them today. So we're rocking and rolling. The question is, will it be done in time for me to plant some fall garden crops? I don't know. I have, been pushing Christian pretty hard, but we have a lot of other things happening and he's doing his best. It may not be done in time for me to put in like the greens, like the Elliot Coleman stuff that I was hoping to put in that I told you about earlier this year, but even if it's not, it'll be ready to roll in the spring. So either way, I think that was a definite win. And I will be doing another podcast episode just on the greenhouse. Once we have a little more information on how it's going to go, go together. So I can give you all the specifics. Cause I know a lot of you have been waiting for that. Okay, so that's fun. All the little happy wins of my garden this year. Let us talk about the failures. <laughs> and remember, I've said this before, I'll say it again. When I talk about failures, um, I don't think failure is necessarily a bad thing. I find it annoying sometimes. Of course, I'd rather not fail, but I really see it as part of the process of learning anything. Homesteading, um, how to run a business, how to be a parent, how to homeschool. Like failure just means you're trying. And I really, truly believe that. So yes, 
I was, have been annoyed as I have taken assessment of the different parts of my garden. I really could have done better in this year, but it's not like it's depressing me or making me want to quit. And the reason I am telling you about my failures is I see a lot of, um, first time homesteaders or beginning homesteaders, or maybe even just experienced homesteaders that it's really easy to feel discouraged especially if you're not in a homesteading type of community. You know, your friends and your family are already giving you pushback on all the weird things you're doing. And you put all this time into the garden and then lo and behold, you get like two green beans and they're like, huh, told you so, you loser. You know, and it's really easy um, to feel discouraged. But I just want you to know that even though I've been doing this for well over a decade, there's still years I just don't excel. And I started off really strong this spring. Maybe the strongest start ever to a garden season. I had all this hope and all this promise, so much excitement. COVID really helped me just feel extra motivated to garden. And I did pretty good. I'm, I'm proud of how I stuck with it. I followed my garden zone method that I explained about in my previous episode, how I broke it down. I stayed on top of weeding. I stayed on top of mulching. All was going splendidly until fair, county fair, I fell off the wagon, man. I fell off the wagon and I got back from fair and I had a couple days where I like, I could have been out in the garden and I was just like in a stupor still from fair. And to top it all off, we had, um, a horsemanship clinic, like the week after fair. So I got home from fair, I unpacked the trailer and then I started cooking and cleaning for this clinic. Cause we had like 20 to 30 people in our house and I was riding my horse in the clinic and we had company and it was great, but I was not exactly focused on the garden. So I had this like two to three week window or I hardly stepped foot in my garden. And that was not awesome. Things got out of control real quick, real quick. So the mulch kind of disappeared on some beds. The weeds started to take over. My walkways weren't so primped and pretty. I had some things that needed to be harvested and they didn't get harvested on time. So we had some stuff. So some of these fails happened during that period. Some of them happened just because. So here they are. Here we go. Okay, the beans. I am annoyed at the bean situation this year. I've grown green beans forever. I know how to grow a green bean plant. Like it's not a new thing for me. I planted three beds with green beans. One bed did fine. The other two beds failed miserably. I got maybe 40% germination in those beds. Um, I used good seed. In fact, I replanted those beds, like I had a few plants come up and I had a bunch of holes. So I put fresh seed in those holes um, three times and I couldn't get the stinking plants to come up. Like I'd have a, a few come up and that was it. So I was like, something's going on here. Here's my two guesses. And I don't know for sure on these. Um, actually, I have three guesses. It could be one of these three things. I'm still doing some detective work to figure this out. The first option is that our soil tends to be low in iron. And I know that because I did a soil test a couple years ago and green beans are a plant that really need iron. And you can kind of tell when they're low on iron because they get yellowish leaves. And I've added iron supplementation to my soil in the past, but it's possible that it needs more. So I noticed a couple of the green bean plants were a little bit yellow, but I don't know if that would cause the poor germination rate. Maybe, maybe not. The other thing I'm suspecting in these two beds that didn't do well that perhaps they were getting too much water. Um, of course, we have our sprinkler system and it, it, they, the sprinklers are all set up the same, but I just don't know if maybe that soil drained differently and maybe it was a little bit waterlogged. I know it was wet sometimes when I would go out to check it, but 
I don't know. We also had really hot, really hot weather this summer. So I feel like it should have been enough heat to dry it out. My third guess, which this is the one I'm hoping it's not, but it, it could be. Um, you remember the story of how I poisoned my garden. I'm very well known for, for that whole incident when I added these uh, hay as a mulch that had been sprayed with the herbicide. Now, the whole reason we built our raised beds was to get around this issue. And it has worked great. Now, the dirt we used to fill up our beds came from that garden plot. And what we did, we took our old garden plot, we scraped it down with like a skid steer and leveled it, put the dirt in a pile. And then after we set the raised beds, we filled them up with that dirt. And I have not noticed a problem with it. And I kind of figured that if there was any residue in that soil, it was probably on the top layer and we diluted it very, very generously, at least I thought, when it was in the, the pile and then we filled up the bed. So I didn't have a lot of concern. And then in all the beds over the years, I've had successful crops in each of the beds. So it's not like I've had a couple black sheep beds that just wouldn't grow anything. But what I failed to remember was that there are certain plants that are more susceptible to this type of herbicide contamination. It's called aminopyrrolid. You can Google it. There's a lot of information out there about it. But certain plants are like the canaries in the coal mine when it comes to aminopyrrolid poisoning. Tomatoes are one of them. And tomatoes are the ones that gave me the red flag five or six years ago and told me there was a problem. Green beans, I think, are another. That's my, my guess. I know that cabbage don't care onions and garlic don't care because I've grown cabbages and potatoes and onions and garlic in those beds and they've done great. But uh, the green beans were not a fan. So I'm suspecting or I'm, I'm thinking this may be the case. I hope it's not, but it could be that those beds have a little bit of that amino pyrrolid. And I'm thinking that because the green beans that did come up were pretty stunted. And that is what this type of herbicide does. It doesn't kill the plants per se, but it just stunts them and they don't fruit as well. And so I, I, I don't know. I think that's, that might be what we're dealing with. So what I'm going to do, I don't, there's not really a test that I know of that can test for the presence of that in the soil. Um, what I've seen folks tell you to do to test is they say, take a little bit of contaminated soil, see if like a, a plant will sprout or grow. And if it doesn't, you know, you're probably contaminated. And that's kind of what I already did by default with my beans. So I don't know if there's a laboratory I can send off the soil to, but I do know that there are certain plants that don't care about the herbicide. They're not affected by it. So I'm just going to mark those beds and be sure that next year I don't put tomatoes, green beans, or any of these more sensitive plants in that area. So that was kind of my biggest bummer of the year because I really wanted a lot of green beans and it just didn't happen. Um, my other, another one of my big fails is that there was a couple beds that just seemed really wet. And I kind of already mentioned that, but I think we might have given a little too much water and kind of along with that same thing, there's a leak. <laughs> there's a leak in one of the beds kind of under the ground. So when we built the raised beds, we put uh, the sprinkler system, a lot, some of it's underground and there, we identified this year, there is a leak and we didn't get it fixed this summer because, um, we didn't want to dig up the vegetables in the bed. So Christian's like, we have to wait till fall when we shut everything off. And so it's not like a geyser, but it's a slow leak. And it's made a couple of the walkways like swampy. And I just don't like it. It just feels sloppy and gross and ugh. So that hasn't made me super thrilled. 
Another fail. This one's not entirely my fault. I mean, maybe a little bit. After uh, We've had this plague of grasshoppers in our area. And all my friends have asked me, do you have the grasshoppers? Are the grasshoppers coming to you? And I'm like, no, we don't have any grasshoppers. Until fair happens. And then the grasshoppers moved in while I was at fair. And I get home from fair. I walk out to the garden. And I had this like giant tomato plants. My tomato plants were so happy. These huge plants, um, like a jungle of tomatoes. And I walked out to this, my bed of tomatoes and I looked and this big plant, it's like, you know, five feet tall because it's in the raised bed, obviously. It looks like a dead tree in the in fall. It has no leaves. It looks like a twig, a tomato twig sticking up. And I'm like, oh my word. So the grasshoppers, not on all of my tomatoes. And I still have a decent amount of fruit. I mean, it didn't, it's not like they massacred everything, but the grasshoppers did strip some tomato plants. And I also have slugs this year. Can somebody please tell me where the slugs came from? Because I live in Wyoming, not the rainforest. <laughs> where did the slugs come from? Never had them before. This year I have slugs. It's like they spontaneously came into being. If anyone knows how slugs work, please tell me, because I'd love to know where they came from. Like there's slugs everywhere. And I know you can do the little beer trap idea. It's not like I have millions, but I am noticing slugs when I pull, up, pull in the cabbage or the cauliflower or things. So the grasshoppers got me. The slugs are getting me. Something's eating my tomatoes. I don't know if it's grasshoppers, like they're eating the tomato fruit, the red ones. I don't know if it's grasshoppers or what the heck it is, but I'm having to pick the tomatoes that are ripening when they're a little bit orange, because if I wait till they're red, the critters get them. Um, so I'm definitely dealing with some bugs. And I say it's not my fault because I didn't bring the grasshoppers here, but I also could have done better on being proactive and mixing up some of my homemade pest sprays. I have recipes for that. I know how to do that. It's on the blog. I just didn't do it for whatever reason. Here, you know, you guys, you know, you know, you're supposed to do something. You just don't do it. Like you ever done that? Sometimes I still do it. So I should have been a little more proactive, maybe spraying when I knew the grasshoppers potentially could be coming. Uh, I think it would have saved me a little bit of heartache. Maybe not entirely because that's not always foolproof, but yeah, there you have it. Um, what else? Oh, my last fail. Oh, this one makes me mad. I just hate it when I do this. Um, I had a couple different plants. I had arugula, I had rapini, and I had this sort of Chinese broccoli called yod fa. I think that's how you pronounce it. I got it out of Baker Creek's seed catalog. Uh, it's supposed to be like a broccoli option. It's not as susceptible to bugs. They're kind of, all of these are leafy greens, right? Rapini is something you, it's a little bit more than leaves. Sometimes it has a little heads on it, but you harvest it when it's leafy. And same with the yod fawn, same with the arugula. I pretty much, I planted like half a bed of each of those. I was really bad at harvesting them in time. And with my stinking arugula, I planted it and I'm like, Jill, don't forget about the arugula. And I forgot about it. And I went out there like two days after I planted it and it had gone to seed. Not really, but that's what it felt like. And I'm annoyed with myself that I let that whole crop go. Now it didn't go to waste because I fed it to the pigs. So technically I'm turning arugula into bacon, which is kind of magical, but still like, like I hate it when I plant something and I don't harvest it in time. It drives me crazy. And I did the same thing with the rapini. We had a couple meals with the rapini. Um, I was super proud of myself. We sauteed it with butter and garlic. And then I went out 24 hours later and it was all gone to seed. Again, not really. I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but that's what it felt like. And I wish I had been a little more on the ball. I feel like with some of these, I literally am going to have to write it in my planner when the upcoming harvest date will be roughly because I literally, it just is so easy to forget, especially 
with those early summer harvests, maybe it's just me, but I tend to not be in harvest mode, right? And so I literally forget that I need to, to check it for things that are ready to eat. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, anyway, those are Jill's garden wins and fails for 2020. And there could be more coming of both because I haven't finished out the gardens garden year yet. Still have a lot of potatoes to harvest. They look pretty good right now. We'll see what happens once I get them out of the ground. Um, waiting on some squash. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a mixture this year. Last year was pretty rough. We had a cold, wet summer. This year we're having a hot, dry summer. So definitely different. Lots of lessons. I learn something every single year. But here's the deal, friends. Just take heart. Um, I don't know of a single gardener that I've ever talked to who has a year that's just 100% of everything that's just perfect, right? Most of the gardeners I talk to, they'll have a bumper crop one year of something and it's like their rock star status on pumpkins or potatoes or tomatoes or pickles or whatever. And then the next year it's not, or, you know, they might rock the potatoes, but their tomatoes were a failure. So it's kind of one of those things you have to give and take and don't feel bad. If your garden didn't quite turn out like you hoped, if you had all of these aspirations in the spring and it just maybe fizzled a little bit, don't let it discourage you from trying again because you will figure it out. It will get better. Someday I might remember to harvest my arugula. We will get this sorted out, friends, and it'll be worth it. And hey, don't forget, if you would like um, more info on my raised beds, because I referenced them quite a bit today and I get a lot of questions about them, I put together a little raised bed guide. It's just a little uh, PDF ebook. You can grab it for free over at theprairiehomestead.com slash raised bed guide all one word. And it just shows you pictures and measurements, all the details. Not that you'd want to duplicate mine exactly, but if you just need some inspiration, it's a good place to start. And that is it for today. Thanks for listening along. <laughs> Maybe you related to some of my wins and some of my fails. It's always helpful to know you're not the only one, don't you think? I would appreciate so much if this episode was helpful to you. If you just take a screenshot and post it over on Instagram and give me a tag, I love to know what pieces of what episodes really resonated and gave you the best tips. And then I love to share your shares as well. So I'll just um, go ahead and repost whatever you post from the podcast. So thanks again for listening. We will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.